0: Hello, and welcome back to Mothering Earth, which I hope you think of as your home, for information about sustainable living. My name is Salwa Khan. We're looking at renewable forms of energy in this program, and I'm going to start with my own experience with solar. Last year, my husband and I had solar panels installed on our roof, and we've since been enjoying the benefits of generating our own power from the sun during daylight hours. When the sun goes down, we use power from our local utility, which is Pertinalis Electric, or PEC. As a result, our electric bills have been a lot lower. And we like the sense that we've been able to reduce our carbon footprint and even supply energy back to the electric grid. It is a costly investment, but there are ways to work it out and you'll be doing a lot toward helping Mother Earth and future generations. On the program today, an expert on solar energy. He's going to tell us about the ins and outs of solar. My hope is that by the end, you'll be persuaded to start inquiring about solar for your house. The expert is Stephen Weiss in Austin, Texas. He's been researching, consulting, and writing about renewable energy, including solar and wind-generated power, for almost 20 years. Welcome to the program, Stephen. And can you give us a little more background on yourself?
1: Thank you, by the way, for having me on your show. I really appreciate it. Um, And I've been researching and writing, but but also pretty deep in the trenches on renewables for about 20 years. Really, I think my educational background was in environmental science. I was very interested in um, biology uh, as an undergraduate student, uh, but started to realize late in my undergraduate work that uh, that there was a huge realm of opportunity, uh, both for employment uh, just and in the size of the market in energy. I, I realized that it was the largest global endeavor that we're engaged in as the production, extraction, and use of energy. Uh, small impacts in energy, when you translate them around the globe or even around a community, can translate into very big gains for the environment. As a graduate student, I, I pursued more energy and energy policy work uh, and then started working in solar. Kind of just lucked out, but, but found a work that combined energy efficiency and solar energy and, um, and have been going ever since. Uh, It's been fantastic, and most of that has happened here in Austin. Uh, But through my work in consulting, I've done work uh, up and down the East Coast uh, for the federal government, uh, some international contracts. Um, So really a lot of work with electric utilities all over the country Mm -hmm. and continue to do a lot of that work today.
0: So talk about some of the work you do with electric utilities. What exactly do you do when you work with them?
1: Sure. Well, you know, I'll just go back to 20 years ago once more, because 20 years ago, solar wasn't nearly as interesting to people as it is now. And, mm-hmm. and so 20 years ago, we were doing a lot of uh, really demonstration research projects. It was a lot of the kind of work where we would get a federal grant, a DOE grant, to Department of Energy, uh, just to prove that something could be done. You know? <laughs> it wasn't that it was right. uh, cost effective necessarily, but it was just trying to break down a barrier and prove that it could be done. Um, but we're, we're so far beyond that now. Um, most of the work that I'm involved in now and, and over the last several years has been working with electric utility companies who try to, for various reasons, promote energy efficiency among their customers. And one of the ways that I help them promote energy efficiency among their customers is by designing and implementing solar incentive programs, So customers who put solar on their rooftops, for example, might get a rebate from the utility. Uh, They might get a particular rate structure that uh, fits the the fact that they're sometimes pushing energy back through their meter and back to the utility. So we've been really working with a number of utilities around Texas uh, and other states uh, to try to help them set up those programs and have those programs be successful.
0: As you know, Mothering Earth is about sustainable living treating our Earth well so that future generations can enjoy a vibrant, healthy planet. And I think we can say safely that solar energy is part of that sustainable living concept. So that's what I'd like to focus on. I know you do work in other renewables like wind as well. Mm -hmm. But I'd like to focus today on solar energy. So can we talk about what are the benefits of using solar for individuals? You mentioned you know having a rooftop system, uh, but also for bigger organizations for right. institutions, for government, for everyone?
1: right Well, you know I, I tend to sort of snap to the environmental uh, side of things and, and, then, and then move on to the uh, economic side of things and uh, but I think I'll flip that around because a lot of the discussions that I have particularly with with my clients is all about the economics of solar Um, and right now we are really either at or getting very close to an inflection point where you can install solar on a rooftop uh, at large scale or small scale at a home home size uh, or combine it with uh, some storage and Really, we're not too far off. We're, I think, a you know, a decade away from having residential customers being able to make reasonable options uh, for the future in, in installing a combination of solar and storage and and leaving the grid behind. So we uh, we say a lot about who we are through how sure. we choose to purchase energy, and I think that goes with solar as well. What are those extrinsic motivations uh, besides the economics? Um, some people feel uh, a desire to leave a legacy, uh, meaning they are getting on in age and they're probably going to turn their house over to somebody else. And they say, you know, this is something I can do. This is something hard that I can leave behind that's not going to go away. And then whoever has this house next, whether it's their children or or somebody else, yeah. is going to have benefit from that hardware just as much as they would. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a um, there's a religious component for some people. Um, that I've heard called conservation theology, the idea that God gave us this earth and, and uh, you know it's our job to take care of it and um, so you know we're entrusted with that uh, responsibility. so I've seen that as a motivation for people. Um, I think a lot of it is just that you know this sort of shiny new iPhone and I can afford it. <laughs> Um, you know that it's a it's a cool thing and people like to talk about it and they like to see what it does and tinker and play uh, so there's some of that as well
0: when you're saying that you're you're determining all these different motivations that people have mm-hmm. for uh, installing solar is that from interviews with people that have done this or, or how are you gathering this information
1: well I, I would say most of my information is anecdotal mm-hmm. uh, not from other people but my own anecdotes from talking to customers we, okay. we, I just end up speaking to hundreds and hundreds of customers who are interested in uh, availing themselves of one of these utility incentive programs okay. uh, so we have these discussions well what are you interested in you know what, what's going to work for you? What, what are you trying to get out of this or there's always the how I start? Uh, because sometimes you end up going down some path, you know, you assume that they're really interested in the economics, and they don't care. <laughs> you know, yeah. They say, I've got the money, I want to do this, I just want to know which panels to buy. Um, okay. So yeah, I've talked to a lot of people. But there's also some really good research going on now. Um, really, in the last maybe two to five years, there's been a lot more interest in the academic community, as well as in the industry, about what motivates these kinds of purchases, just because there's a great deal of um, opportunity out there for sales um, and people want to know what's going to resonate with customers and how we how to attract customers I'll, I'll just say one of the biggest problems in the um, in the residential solar market anywhere is what we call customer acquisition cost if you break down all the costs of obtaining uh, a, a solar customer and buying all the equipment, installing all the equipment, adding any fees for warranties and so on. If you break all that down, the the slice that ends up under customer acquisition is far too big. We spend a lot of time banging on doors and uh, making cold calls and just educating 100 people for every two or three bites that we get. Uh, And so there's a lot of work going into trying to make that process much more efficient. And this kind of information about what motivates customers feeds into making that process much more efficient.
0: Sure. Sure. So are uh, or do you hear that people are want or want to install solar because they're concerned about the uh, environment is that, well, sure. Is that an overriding, in other words, uh, motivation, or is that the main motivation that many people have? Yeah, I, th-
1: I think everybody's got a, a some of that in them who who's interested in solar or wind or any of this off grid stuff. Uh, a strong streak of independence, you know, a, a desire to be uh, somewhat more self sufficient, um, uh, both on a personal level, as well as kind of on a national, international level saying, hey, you know, it's about energy independence and not being dependent on other people. Um, So yeah, you know, it's funny because when I talk about solar, I'm so used to not really talking about the environmental motivations, but of course they're present and and they're the main benefit. Um, Certainly corporations who invest in solar uh, are interested in the economics, but they're also interested in making a statement to their customers and shareholders. Um, and how, the, how do they document uh, what they've done for the environment? IKEA is a great example. Uh, they've got a store up in Round Rock that's got probably one of the largest solar energy installations exactly. in Texas for a behind the meter installation. Um, and it's not just their Round Rock store where they do that, they do it all over the place. And there are many other companies as well who make big investments in solar because they want their customers to know that they are making an effort, they're walking the walk. Um, they might be buying green energy from their electric utility uh... like i do um, anyway there's a lot of ways to walk that walk and solar is one of them
0: i, I want to go back to the individual homeowner installing mm-hmm. solar um, in, you you talked about the economics that it's it can be very costly at the beginning um, do you have any uh, or can you give any sort of picture of how long generally it takes an individual, like, in, if an individual were to install solar, how long it generally takes to recoup the cost uh, to the point where um, they're actually, in a way, making right. money? Right.
1: Yeah, um, I'll I'll answer it specifically for what I understand to be the economics where you are, which is in PEC, Prudinalis Electric Cooperative mm-hmm. Service Area. Right. Um, and most places where there's an active solar market, there's kind of a three legged stool that keeps that market alive. Uh, and, and two of those legs are uh, incentives or, uh, or you know, tax incentives. So so in PEC, I believe there's an incentive uh, from the utility. No, no. there's no, okay, no. <laughs> they're working on that. They're gonna, yeah. they're gonna have that pretty soon, oh. uh, I think. That's good. Um, so that, but that's usually step one, is having some incentive from the utility. Okay. Step and, and in, in fact, PEC does have a net metering policy, so that can be considered to be an incentive from the utility. Uh, but usually what I'm talking about is um, direct incentives, something that helps you buy down the initial cost. Okay. Um, second is a federal tax credit. Yes. So in the U.S. we have a federal tax credit. It expires at the end of 2016, uh, but it entitles uh, someone who installs solar to essentially get 30% of that cost back at tax time, at the following tax year. Um, so that's a that's a pretty important one. And then third is just the market for solar equipment and installation. There's a lot mm-hmm. of people out there uh, with trucks and, and skilled employees who put this stuff up, and they are continually uh, cutting the costs of what they do. So between mm-hmm. those three factors, those are the three most important things, um, you get some price that you pay. And in PEC, I'd guess that the payoff is somewhere between 10 to 15 years. Meaning that's the that's the time it will take you to realize savings that pay for that initial investment. In some other places, it can be as low as you know five to eight years. Um, without any of those three three legs of the stool, well, two legs of the stool, mm-hmm. the two uh, the federal tax credit or any sort of utility subsidies, you're still looking at twenty to thirty years, uh, sometimes even longer right. in different parts of the country. So it really is is location dependent, uh, based on. Well, which of those three legs you have access to.
0: When you say it's location-dependent, it's because of the amount of sunlight available, or what what is it dependent on?
1: Well, many things, Uh, but yeah, certainly the amount of sunlight makes a big difference. It's it's gonna be a better deal probably here in Texas than it is in Michigan, because we get a lot more sun here. Um, But I'm talking about um, on the utility side, I'll go back to those three legs. I started with the utility. Some utilities will offer you a dollar a watt back. Um, if you get a bid for $3 a watt, you get a dollar back from the utility per watt. Uh, and so that's cutting a third of the cost right off, you know, off of your shoulders. Um, federal tax credit, again, is available everywhere. So that's a, that's a level playing field. But the third leg about the installers and the installer community, if you go to a place like Michigan, um, if you live in... Lansing, Michigan, you might only have access to one or two solar installers who are working that area and they might be a hundred miles away from you. Whereas you come here in Texas and we've got a hundred installers working uh, Austin, San Antonio, Dallas, this corridor uh, or more potentially. Um, So there's a lot of competition, competitive forces, a lot of knowledge in the industry that that they learn from each other uh, from participating in these programs just through volume and volume drives. Itself, Right. When you get that kind of volume in an industry, um, you see costs come down, not just because of competition, but because people are learning from each other. People are adopting best practices and so on. So so that's what I what I mean about the, the kinds of improvements that you can see on that third leg of the stool, which is just what's the local market like.
0: Okay. So the more people in your area that are buying solar, the better for the individual generally.
1: Yeah, I think so. I think so. It's like anything. I mean, when I worked with utilities here in the state, uh, this kind of relates to the point I was making earlier about um, going from a research and demonstration phase to a market phase. When I started working uh, with some of the utilities that I work with now, they had never installed a solar project. They had never had a customer who installed a solar project. And the first time they go through that process, it's like it's pulling hair. I mean, it just takes a long time. It's not because anybody doesn't like solar. It's, not, it's just because nobody's written the contracts yet or quite knows how the process works. But by the time you're at the 1,000th installation, it's a pretty well-oiled machine. People are comfortable okay. with it. Everybody knows what their piece is that they need to do, and you can turn those jobs around pretty fast.
0: Okay. Um, now, you mentioned at one point, uh, when you were talking about the three legs of the stool, uh, about how how utility companies, um, I think this is what it relates to, how utility companies meter the individual mm-hmm. homeowners' solar production. Right. And you talked about a term called net metering. Right. Can you explain what net metering <laughs> is?
1: Sure. Well, I'll, I'll start with a caveat, which is that there are many, many, many flavors of net metering, and they are very much in flux uh, right now. But the traditional idea of net metering is if you can imagine uh, the old-fashioned meters, um, the ones with the spinning disk that spins and spins and spins as you consume electricity. Well, if you've got solar on your house, first of all, you're not spinning that meter quite as much because you're producing some of the electricity that you're using. But secondly, at some times, you're also pushing energy back out to the grid, and that meter then spins the other direction. And if you think about it like an odometer on the car, it's clicking off miles that the utility delivered to you and then you push some back and it runs in reverse. And so that's the essential concept of net metering is that you read that meter at the end of each month and it's the net, it's, it's a subtraction, right? And it happens at the meter uh, of you know, what the utility provided to you minus what you provided back to the utility and you get paid for, or you pay for that remainder. Right. Of what you, know, you pay for the net. And essentially, when it, when that happened on the meter itself, um, you're rolling the value that you're earning for energy that you deliver back to the utility is exactly the same as the value that you were paying uh, to the utility for energy that they're delivering to you. So that's another sort of concept in net metering is the equivalence of those payments. Okay. Um, as I said, a lot of this is under question more and more these days as utilities have adopted sort of fancier digital meters that can monitor these directional flows separately. Mm-hmm. Um, as utilities think about their own cost models uh, and how to price electricity and, and put their rates together in ways that are fair for their customers, uh, for all customers, uh, utilities will argue that uh, that net metering, in fact, subsidizes customers who have solar relative to uh Customers who don't have solar, um, and and mostly that's because utilities for in in the residential sector, uh, a great deal of the cost is just having the service there, maintaining the meter, maintaining the distribution system, maintaining reliability of the system overall. The amount of energy that you buy, the cost of that energy is actually pretty low. But the way that utilities charge for that is they they put a lot of the charge in a volumetric rate. They they recoup most of those costs through how much you use, mm-hmm. and so if, again, if you use a lot less, if you're a solar customer, then you're not paying into the distribution infrastructure, all that's all the stuff that utility does. I think the bigger problem is just the rate structure more generally. It's not just the you know the, the knee-jerk reaction is well we got to charge these solar customers an extra fixed yeah. fee because they're not yeah. paying in. Well. The truth is that that silly rate structure uh, is wrong for all the customers. It's wrong for all residential customers, and in fact, every residential customer who uses very little energy uh, is not paying their fair share. Yeah. Right. Um, and so, I think you know we're starting to see kind of overhauls of of rate structures generally. Uh, the ones that I prefer overhaul the rate structure for all customers, not just for the solar customers.
0: The point I wanted to make was that the utility is in fact getting energy back from solar from customers that have installed their own solar and they didn't have to put in the cost for the infrastructure there. So Correct. isn't that in some way offsetting you know the fact that they're that those solar customers aren't buying that much from them?
1: Yeah, so a utility uh, is getting some energy back onto their grid from a solar customer. And then, of course, it goes up to the transformer or the pole, and it goes down the street to the next customer, and it goes through their meter, so they pay for it, right? Um, so you're essentially getting, you know, but but if you think like a utility, okay, and I'll, and I'll put this hat on for a moment. If you think like a utility, utilities don't buy energy for the same price that they sell it to you for, for these reasons I was describing before about the rate structures, um sort of emphasizing, particularly in residential customers, the volumetric side of the equation. So the retail rate that they sell you energy is higher than the wholesale rate that they buy energy for. When you are a customer under a net metering relationship, essentially they're paying you full retail for your electricity, right? That's the value that you're earning for it. And then they go sell it for full retail to the next customer. So, okay, maybe that's a break-even but they're still down on the volumetric collection of fees to help support the grid. So that's how a utility thinks about it. But you're right, I mean, there is, there is value. The whole reason that utilities sponsor energy efficiency programs in the first place is A, often because they have to. Uh, the regulation uh, recognizes the fact that if I use less energy in my home, and you use less energy in your home particularly at certain times of day when when prices are very high we depress the market price of electricity for everyone everywhere right mm-hmm. so um so if you're a solar customer and your your peak energy uh consumption tends to be a lot less you're not only providing a benefit to yourself you're you're bringing down the market price of electricity at that time for everyone mm-hmm. Commercial customers, industrial customers, all your neighbors down the street. And that's why we all pay in a little bit to support these kinds of energy efficiency programs because we all get some benefit out of them. Um, and that's not even, and that's just talking about, you know, the, again, I snap to the economics. Um, and that's just talking about the economics. But of course, there's also all the environmental aspects of it as well. You know, there's less pollution, there's less noise, uh, fewer bird kills, all this kind of stuff that, that goes with. Uh, a more resilient electric system uh, because of the, the, some of the production is located out at the ends of the system rather than this sort of central generator model that we're all we're all just uh, consumers at the ends. Right. So there's, there's many many benefits that that accrue there.
0: And then you've also got, I would think, the the benefit of um, of not being of not having to extract mm-hmm. so, so much coal or you know, sure. petroleum or fracking or all these. Right, Terrible things that we're doing to the earth.
1: Yeah, and if you, and if you do the, the, there are other people who have worked out the environmental economics of kind of the life cycle cost or the life cycle economic impact of solar versus other forms of energy. And every reputable study, um, I think, actually, I think a, a few years ago um, for, for a while, you know, there were some studies that were showing, well, you know, by the time you put the energy input into the solar panel to, to make the panel, you're not going to ever get that much energy out of the panel. Um, but we're, we're beyond that by far now, and I think solar and wind energy, uh, in terms of um, environmental impact over the life cycle, are clearly, by far, uh, do much better than, than fossil fuel electricity does.
0: So we've talked about some of the benefits. Um, can we also look at, uh, and, and you just touched on this, which is the manufacture of, solar panels and, and what is the cost there, the environmental cost, plus, mm-hmm. uh, of course, the cost for the customer. Um, and just wondering, you know, how is that comparable to other energy sources? Or do you have any sure. information on that?
1: Yeah, well, all those studies that I have read, and, and I have not done any of these myself, but but all the studies that I've read over the last five or ten years um Really strongly demonstrate that solar is preferable to fossil fuels. I mean, hands down, no question.
0: You talked earlier about the federal incentive for installing solar, mm-hmm. and that that's going to expire in a, in about a year. Is there? Do you know? Is there any effort to extend it or to become oh, a sure. new incentive program?
1: Yeah, and I have mixed feelings about it. Of course, the industry uh, strongly wants to extend that tax credit, and the and you know the argument is. Is good. Uh, the argument is that this is really the only thing solar has. On its face, it looks like a big gift, and it is a big gift, but it's the only thing that solar has, and it has to be, in order for it to stick around in our federal policy system, it has to be extended because automatically it's in a, it's in a part of the tax code where everything expires all the time, so every few years it comes up and has to be debated again. This is in contrast to many of the subsidies that are built in for the fossil fuel industries that never have to come up for debate and discussion yes, because man. they're just sort of built into the fabric of society. And, mm-hmm. uh, and so it, it's, it's frustrating because I think, you know, part of, part of the solar community uh, believes uh, that, you know, we don't need this. We don't need this. We're, we're, our prices are getting better by 15% a year. This is a two-year bump. Right. If we lose the federal tax incentive, we're delayed two years. If you're on the other side of that equation, if you're a fossil fuel company or you're a, an electric utility who's worried about your solar companies or solar solar customers, you know, getting rid of that federal tax incentive just bought you two years. <laughs> you know, that you can extend your dominance over this over this tidal wave that's coming. But that's not very long. Um, there's a lot of discussion, or some discussion at least, uh, in some quarters of trying to eliminate most of the subsidies that are in federal policy for all energy sources, which I think is a fair uh, solution as well. You know, we're going to take this one away for solar. Well, let's, let's see yeah. where else, what else we're subsidizing, and let's take those away.
0: There's a lot of information out there on solar energy so that you can educate yourself on the many benefits it can provide. There are cities and towns that provide incentives for homeowners to add solar panels to their houses. The federal tax incentive is set to expire next year, in 2016, but there's good reason to believe it will be extended. In addition, more and more work is being done on developing batteries that homeowners can use to store solar power, and that may eventually enable us, if we so desire, to be completely self-sufficient. Why should you look into solar, or perhaps some other renewable form of energy, like wind power? Because we do need to take care of our environment so that we and the people we love can live healthier lives, but also to ensure that the world we leave to future generations is the kind of place that sustains and delights them. Until next time, this is Salwa Khan signing off for Mothering Earth.